Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. We all know this little jingle. But here's the thing. I actually looked this up right before the podcast. 88%. Now, this study was done of Americans, but 88% of Americans say that they find the holidays the most stressful time of the year. So here we are singing songs, talking about the holidays like it is the most wonderful time of the year, but 88% disagree. Not that it's not wonderful, but maybe potentially that it's also that it's actually so much more than that. So today I am welcoming on an expert. We are welcoming Jake Ernst, who is a therapist and clinical director at Straight Up Health. And we're going to be talking about the holidays. This episode was planned to be a tool to have these conversations before we get into the holidays themselves, hopefully give you a little bit of takeaways to help you get through what could be the most stressful yet wonderful time of the year. Let's focus on getting you through in the right ways. And Jake is one of my favorite follows on Instagram. Instagram. It's MSW Jake if you want to check him out before we get into the show. But I have learned so much from him over my time following him, which has now been a couple years, and I can't wait to have him on the show. So let's get into it. All right, Jake, welcome to the podcast. Tell everyone who the heck you are. Hello, everybody. My name is Jake Ernst, and I am a therapist and I practice in Toronto. Actually, before I go on, and kind of explain what I do for work. I'm practicing this new thing. So I'm going to try it out here if that's okay. Okay, okay, let's do it. I'm, I'm practicing introducing myself, not what I do for work. <gasps> so I'm practicing just like showing up as a human. Yes. And so I, I, I realized I was defaulting to, yeah, this is who I am and this is what I do for work yes. and blah, 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 yeah. blah. But maybe I can start just by um, saying that I am super curious. I'm a really curious person. And so hopefully throughout our conversation, that will kind of come through. Um, and I also really value authenticity. And I'm practicing saying that out loud um, mm. because 
because that's that's really hard for me to really kind of embrace that and yeah. just show up here in the moment. So, you know, I'm showing up to this conversation. Obviously, we didn't do any pre-planning and I don't have any no. notes. Oh, We're amazing. Like, kind of go with it, doing it live. When people um, have notes, it really intimidates me because I was like, oh, you came prepared for this and it's my podcast and I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, you know, th- those that's who I am. But uh, what I do for work, I'm a therapist. I'm a social worker. Um, I'm the clinical director of Straight Up Health, which is a teen mental health agency in Toronto. Mm. Um, and I've been doing that for about two years now. So really excited to kind of do mental health stuff in the city. Now, what made you kind of branch the mental health conversations onto social media like you have? Because you've grown quite a following. You're pretty well known and you have very shareable posts. What Was there like a point that you're like, I just think there's more to it than these one-on-one chats. I want to expand on it. Or what kind of piqued that curiosity to kind of get into that space? Again, because we're saying things out loud. I've never actually said this out loud to somebody else, but I am a writer. <gasps> I Yeah, I... I love to just write. Like I just love to like put my ideas onto paper and write. And you know where I learned that actually was um, from a former therapist of mine. Mm-hmm. I was like, why don't you just like try journaling? Like we just try like writing things down. And I started yeah. doing it and I was like, holy shit, this is the basic. I love just like getting things on paper, seeing them and putting them out into the world. And it turns out other people like that too. <laughs> so that's kind of what brought me to Instagram to post. Yeah. I always find it so fascinating that people are, are like, oh, I wish I could write like you or I wish I could do that. And I was like, mine's the same as you. I had a therapist who was like, I want you to start writing down your thoughts. They became my captions because a lot of us have very similar thoughts and we feel very alone in them. We have very similar experiences or we have very different ones and we get to learn from them. But I think it's kind of like when people feel like they have to run a marathon before they call themselves a runner. And I feel like because I didn't go through the classical steps of being a writer, I really... I downplayed. So I actually like years ago put it into my bio because I was like, no, I'm a writer. I have to own that title because it's it's hard to feel like it's legit enough because it's on social media or it's or it's for real because it's on a blog when it really is. I know. And you know, people really try to dilute that, don't they? I at least that's been that's been my experience. They've sort of made it into this sort of frivolous uh contribution to the world. And I I really do try to push back on that because I think that to be brave and vulnerable in today's world is such an like, it's just such a courageous thing to do, to put yourself out there, right? And to sort of say, no, I'm a writer. I'm. This is what I do. Yeah. yeah. And, and I hard. think it takes like a level of, you know, sometimes I, I feel weird when people are like, oh, you're so brave. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just like showing up as a person. But then there is that part of me that's like, I think especially with the rise of TikTok and these, you know, on Instagram, you kind of have this bubble society where it's people who follow you and know you. And then you go into a place like TikTok where 98% who is seeing your video doesn't follow you, have no idea who you are. And they're just there to give their opinion about you. And you're like, you know what? This is a level of courageousness, audacity, like bravery to show up and keep doing things, knowing that you're going to have this level of pushback. It feels as bad as it did when you came out with, I remember when I was a kid and I told my friends that I wrote a song and they were like, oh my gosh, let's hear it. And I sang it for my friends and then they killed themselves (laughs) laughing. And I was like, this is what it's like on the internet. It brings me back to being that six-year-old kid who wrote a song about a river flowing into the ocean. It was beautiful, majestic. And I got made fun of, right? Like I got laughed at. And so you kind of carry these things that come from your childhood. And then you're like, how are we still like this today as adults? The internet is is just full of opinions and it can be really hard to anchor yourself to your own and your own truth and your own vulnerability to show up in that space. I 100% agree with you. And in addition to that, it kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. I think it is one of the most authentic things that we can do nowadays, right? Is 
to make a choice for ourselves and to show up as ourselves. And so it's not to say that everyone needs to post on Instagram. That's by no means that's that's not what I'm saying. But I'm choosing to, and I'm choosing to sh- to show up bravely and uh, with kindness. I think is the, the other piece. Holy shit, is it hard though? I mean, I'm sure you, I'm sure you relate to like how hard it is, but still we do it, right? So why? Yeah, yeah, I. I, I have this conversation with myself a lot around the whys, but I I do know that we're here to talk about the holidays. And I love that this is kind of segueing into that because it is hard to show up in spaces where you feel almost the most vulnerable. And I just did a quick Google before this. These are American statistics, but I was kind of laughing about how we have the song, like it's the most wonderful time of the year, but statistically... of this is Americans say that it is the most stressful time of the year. And for a various amount of reasons, 56% said finances, 48% said, you know, stress and gift giving itself, 35% said family events, and then 29% said decorating, which that one blew my mind. I was like, I thought we were just joyful. And then I remembered what it was actually like on the weekend when I put up my Christmas tree and I was like, no, that was pretty stressful. That, That wasn't a joyful event. That wasn't the most wonderful time of my life. It's so stressful, right? And I think the thing, the biggest stress that people feel is the disruption in routines, right? And this this increased expectations. And I think a lot of people also feel this like desire to set boundaries, but they're not able to. So it's kind of like me time, but it's also us time. And so it's we time, which makes it really complicated, right? To to show up authentically as we were talking about before. And with the increased stressors of just like so much going on, there's just so much transition and change happening, right? Yeah. And I think this year is almost harder than any year that we've ever seen before, because depending on where you are in the world, for us, there was no really getting together last year, depending on your situation. But for us, we didn't get to see our family. It was, you know, a wave on the front porch and that was it. It was very isolating. And so it's very exciting to get back into the world. It's very exciting to get back in with people, but then you forgot how much the the practice of moving through your anxieties and your fears and your stresses kind of got put to, for a lot of people, they were very excited that they didn't have to go anywhere, that they didn't have anything to do. And now that's back into play. And they're like, where's my boundaries? Where's my person? Like, where's my anxiety going? Or this, I'm out of practice on figuring out what it's going to be like to get back out there, potentially with a changed body, maybe changed relationships. We saw a spike in breakups and like huge life changes, career changes, everything. So much job loss, so much financial change. The whole world has kind of been turned over and then we're just like, okay, let's show up for the holidays. Do you anticipate seeing, I mean, in therapy, I'm sure you're seeing people transition through daily life. Do you anticipate that's going to happen through the holidays? Oh yeah, it's it's a recurring cycle every single year. And I would say that the biggest adjustment is welcoming that change. And I mm. think that that's what's the hardest part, right? Is accepting that change is inevitable and that change happens all the time. And I think the stress that we feel a lot of the times is our desire to control it. And put simply is that we, we just can't. We can't be that in control. We can't have that firm of a grasp on yeah. what's happening. What are the things that we kind of can control? What are some different things that as we move through the holidays that we really can sit back and go, you know what, this is something that I don't have to succumb to or I don't have to push through, that I can actually push back a little bit on this. What would some of those things be? I would say that for the most part, what we have in our control, regardless of whether or not we think it's in our control, is our ability to set boundaries in relationships, right? We can be, we can become in control of that. I know that can be really hard to do, especially because many people experience boundary setting as 
a disruption in relationship or a rupture. And people often take that as, well, you're, you're putting this like wall in between me and you and you're limiting my access to you. But really, boundary setting is supposed to be about ourselves. It's an act of self-care. And so in that sense, it can be really hard to enact those boundaries and, and build those boundaries. I know we're really familiar kind of with the language of boundary setting, but I actually really like the language of boundary building because we're always boundary building. We're always kind of building our protective fence around ourselves, right? That sort of says, this is my bubble and that's your bubble. And mm-hmm. sometimes I'm going to become in, I'm going to become a part of your bubble. And sometimes I'm going to need to kind of float off in my own, you know? Now, this is where the people pleaser in me gets really like anxious because I struggle with this. I know when I've hit capacity, especially during family events, and it can be really layered when it's not your family. And I've experienced this through several different relationships, but it seems to be a common thread for so many people is they know how to manage their own family. They grew up with them. They have that kind of boundary that maybe can be there, or they actually feel like they could get grounds there but not always with, you know, a significant other or a partner's family, or if you're joining a different family's events and just being able to, I guess what I always struggle with is I don't want to come off like a dick. I don't want to come off like I'm being rude or not caring or not wanting to be in the room. I've struggled so much over the years to just be like, I mean, my husband has the most delightful family, but they're like night owls. And I had to really like get in the practice of, I'm really tired. I actually got to go to bed. And you know what? Nothing bad has ever happened from that, but it took a lot for me to get there. And I realized that it's a lot of this, how do I set a boundary without making myself feel like I've hurt somebody's feelings? Or what if setting that boundary really does hurt somebody's feelings? How do I still hold on to what is essentially my capacity or what's best for me getting through this season? Yeah, totally. One of one of my favorite quotes is one by Prentice Hemphill. And Prentice describes boundaries as the distance between you and me where I can love myself and I can love you simultaneously. Wow. And so that really kind of shines light on the fact that boundary setting really is an act of self-care and self-love, right? Yeah. It's it's how can I actually recharge my batteries so that I can actually show up to our relationship in the fullest way possible. Because you can probably really relate to the experience of if you are someone who is a people pleaser or someone who just gives in all the time, then you show up to relationships a little bit depleted when you haven't said no when you should have, right? And there's building resentment. There's a lot of other factors, of course, that play um, there. But we actually know, and this is documented through research too, that if you actually set boundaries earlier or kind of set the limits earlier in relationships, then you actually can have more fulfilling relationships long-term. And so you don't have to kind of take back some of the agreements that have already been put in place. So starting with boundary building from the get-go is is best. And I think ultimately, like whenever I think about boundaries, I almost see them as bridges. Like I've had to remind myself that that's what they are. Is It, it is kind of this bridge from me to another person or in this relationship I've had friends who have been like what, like one of my best friends. And she's like, uh, don't text me work things, email me work things, text me friend things. And I was like, oh, this is how I, like for me, that would be the worst way to do that. I don't even look at my emails half the week. So that would be a bad way of showing up as a friend to me. But to be a friend to her and to love her, that's how we do it. And if somebody was in my home and they're like, you know, my grandmother used to always do this. I got to go home and let out the dogs. I knew she didn't have to rush home and let out the dogs. I knew she was done and she needed to be 
in her own space, in her own like comfy pajamas, whatever that might have been. And I always remember that because we always used to laugh like, oh, I got to go let out the dogs, right? Because it was her way of bowing out of a social situation or a family situation without hurting people's feelings. And as I've gotten older, I do realize like I never felt less loved by my grandmother because she left early. It was kind of just funny and cute that she felt like she had to have this excuse to advocate for herself. But ultimately, that was her way of respecting herself in a situation. And I don't know why I've always really struggled with this. And I think viewing it through the lens of this is how I love you, this is how to love me, really can kind of help change things and kind of bring in some compromise. And I'll be honest, the whole mother-in-law narrative is so difficult for me because I understand that mother-in-laws can like really cross boundaries. But I mean, we also are we even setting them or how do we even put them into practice? So what would we do if, and I'm saying this fully, like acknowledging my mother-in-law is so delightful and she doesn't cross boundaries with me. So like, we're good, but I know that it's still like in every movie ever. But that said, let's say somebody crosses our boundary and we're already shaking, setting that boundary. We're already like, okay, I got to go. And they make this comment that's like, oh, what? You're no fun. Or like, that's what you don't want to spend time with our family. We made it all the way here to see you. Like we put out this whole thing. The guilt trips kind of come into play. How can we continue to show up for ourselves when we're starting to feel that uh, pressure to kind of perform? Holy shit. Uh, you like th- that's this feels like the question of the year, right? This feels like the question of our pandemic experience, where at one point we kind of got into our own little bubble and we got pretty safe and comfortable there for a lot of people. Yeah. And then we're also kind of walking back into the social landscape a little bit and having to kind of renegotiate a lot of our boundaries, especially with this COVID layer, which is so difficult. And you know, one of the one of the most common questions I get around boundary setting is. I just want to tell, I just want to be able to tell them no, or I just want to tell them like, hey, stop texting me. And you know what I always reply? I always say, well, the good news is that you already have the language. You already know what to say. Mm. I think we just have to figure out what's getting in the way of saying the words that you know you need to say. And oftentimes what gets in the way is the difficulties, the complexities that show up in that relationship, right? And so the good, um, I guess the good news is that it's a relationship at the end of the day. It's a relationship that's probably going to remain intact if there's love there, if there's care there, if there's support there, if there's connection there. And so our worst fears when we set boundaries likely don't come true. And so we really want to get clear on like, what are what are the actual possibilities here and not the catastrophe story that I'm creating in my head. It's likely not going to ruin the relationship in a way that we fear it might. And so usually what I uh, sort of use as an entry point or an access point to this work is to the, the question of, what makes it difficult to state your needs and what makes it difficult to access what your needs actually are. And so for people, it's different. But for some people, they move to this this place of dishonesty, right? Or making excuses, um, which is a really normal response, by the way. A lot of people do it. And it's often because we can't access our needs in the way that we need to. Now, let me follow up with this because... I think it's worth noting as we kind of talk about like, how do we not hurt people's feelings? How do we show up for ourselves? How do we create these boundaries? Let's talk about what happens if we don't. Like what 
potentially could we start to experience over time and, you know, through these relationships and not just over the holidays, but like through the rest of the year, because let's be real, if it's a relationship, it should be something that is rather consistent. It just kind of like compacts it where you're having, I always love the movie Four Christmases where they have to go through each set of families and they they no longer can escape on this vacation. They now have to see their families and they both come from divorced parents. So there's four sets of people to go through and they've lost their escapism. They have to face the music as it, as it goes and kind of move through that a little bit. But part of me is like, okay, we have so much that we talk about of you know, how important it is, but like, why? Why is it so important that we have these boundaries? What are the long-term impacts if we don't create this honoring, loving system of having boundaries? Yeah, boundaries really are about meeting our needs. And boundaries are an act of self-care for us to get our needs met. And so in order to actually have boundaries in place or to figure out like if you need boundaries or if boundaries are for you, you have to actually decide like, are my needs getting met in this relationship? And if they're ne- if your needs are not getting met in the relationship, boundaries are a really actionable way for you to get your needs met. And so for you, if you're kind of listening and thinking like, well, I don't really need boundaries. It's not really like the way I kind of operate. I don't really need them. And it's likely because your needs are being met in those relationships, right? So boundaries aren't necessarily for everybody. And boundaries often are experienced as kind of a, as a way that people kind of bully themselves into getting some alone time. But it doesn't have to be about that. It's about getting your needs met. Honestly, who else is kind of just dreading the holiday bloat? I say those words knowing my own experience with it, but I also know that you might have it too. This is why I love Array. They have these bloat capsules that I truly love so, so much. I tell everybody about them because they were designed to give people food freedom so you can enjoy the foods you love without discomfort, gas, or bloating afterwards. Array was created to help women feel their best so they can be their best. Honestly, I am not my best if I am bloated at a dinner table with family. Their products are 100% natural, filler-free, organic, and they're formulated by a naturopathic doctor. And their products work in under an hour. So you actually feel the results. Like you don't, I I can't just say this to you and be like, oh no, you're like really going to feel a different. No, like you're going to see it and experience it in under an hour. So they help solve those annoying problems that we tend to deal with around the holidays and in the rest of our lives. The blow capsules are versatile because they can be taken at any time. Whether you've just had something really heavier or very plant-based and fibrous, you can have it even before or afterwards because it optimizes digestion. It uses five herbs and fruit-based digestive enzymes, and it's completely laxative-free. You will not be running to the bathroom. I know that's probably maybe something you were thinking about would happen. They've also worked with an eating disorder specialist to formulate their products to make sure that they were intentional about creating products that would give relief from digestive issues without the possibility of it being used for weight loss purposes. They believe that every size and shape is truly beautiful, but that nobody should feel discomfort after meals. Right now, you can go to Array.com and use code PAPAYA at checkout for 10% off a one-time purchase or 25% off the first month on subscription. That's A-R-R-A-E.com and use code PAPAYA at checkout for 10% off that one-time purchase or again, 25% off your first month on subscription. I hope you have the best time with the best food freedom as you move through these next few weeks, enjoying yourself every minute of everything 
even if you had something super heavy, your favorite meal, that thing that grandma makes, that mashed potato delight that your sister always brings to every holiday and not having to feel like you're going to be miserable afterwards. This is why I love bow capsules. This is why I talk about them so much. You think I just talk about it here on the podcast? No, I tell everybody. So go and check them out and make sure you use that code papaya so you can save a little bit of money too. Let's get back to the show. Hey guys, it's Hunter and Michaela. And this is the Model Citizen Podcast. We wanted to let the members of our community experience a different side of us that they see glimmers of, but never the full force. Exactly. We wanted a place where we could talk unfiltered about anything and everything, including our lives and experiences in the modeling industry, beauty, fashion, dating, sex, marriage, a dash of political commentary, and of course, pop culture, honey. We're going all the way in. Tune in every Thursday for a giggle, a laugh, and maybe even a tear or two. You've just found your new best friends, and we're so happy to have you. I one time talked to a therapist and she said that resentment is one of the hardest things to reverse out of. It's one of the hardest things to move past and to heal. And I find we arrive at resentment and we're like, how did I get here? Like, and it can be with a boss. It could be with a friend. It's really hard to move backwards. I've always remembered that. And part of me is like, if I don't do these things, resentment will take its footing. And then we have to deal with that, which is really hard. I'm so glad you brought that up. And one of the biggest misconceptions actually about resentment is that people think it's rooted in anger. Um, but it's actually not. It's rooted in envy. It's rooted really? in it's rooted in jealousy that sort of says, I'm looking at other people around me and other people are getting their needs met and I'm not. And that makes me feel envy. And that makes me feel resentful. Yeah. And I think this must be where these mother-in-law, in-law narratives have come from because there is that dynamic of, oh, I'm younger. I'm not the matriarch. I can't have this voice here. But ultimately recognizing that those storylines happen because the needs weren't met and the boundaries weren't in place. Not that that person was automatically a monster. It's just that at a certain point, you kind of hit this wall of my needs are repeatedly not being met. I now resent this person. And that's really hard to back away from. I, as difficult as that is, because I know a lot of people listening are like, oh, you've not met my in-laws. You do not even know. But I get it. We're going to have these people. We're going to have these environments and family. I, I know incredible people who have the best boundaries with their family to the point that they're like, I'm actually not going to spend time with you because you have no ability to respect my boundaries. So that is also a real possibility too, is like the boundary is as big as we actually can't be in this space together. But for many of us, you're going into a dining room full of folks who are suddenly going to ask you about your life, ask about your relationship status, see your body that's changed, maybe make comments on that. Potentially in their generation, that was a very normal thing to do. How do we deal, in your opinion, with the comments like that, the ones that are actually about us? Like we're, we're moving through this room great uncle, great uncle Harry just says something to us. And we're like, oh my gosh, how do I actually, like, this is not just a boundary being crossed. Like it just blew it up. And I also have to go through the rest of this event. How do we move through situations like that? Fuck uncle Harry. That's what I yeah, said. <laughs> seriously. But it happens um, so much, right? It happens so much. And it's such a common experience. And, and so some people work 
Actually, maybe if I kind of zoom out for a second, we have to, we only have two options in that situation: do something or don't. Right? We can accept that it's happening, yeah, or change it. Right? We can do something different. Right? There are only two options, and oftentimes people, um, especially when they're feeling like, well, I can't change it, or I'm feeling really disempowered by that comment or statement, we default to I'm going to avoid it. I'm going to, because it's uncomfortable, I'm not going to avoid it. So either we avoid talking to Uncle Harry or we avoid the party altogether, or Mm -hmm. we, you know, can get really angry and assertive, like in our boundary setting. And it just doesn't always come off as the way that we would hope that it does. And so I guess the challenge is when you're working towards changing it, what do you do? And the truth is, is that boundary building is a set of skills. It's a skill set that you have to develop. And so you're not going to get it right the first time. And one of the skill sets that definitely comes along with boundary building is the knowing that you're going to disappoint people. You have to be able to disappoint people and be able to tolerate the discomfort that comes from disappointing other people. That's a part of it. That's a part of boundary setting. That is the perfect segue into this next little bit because like I listed off those different stats of different things that people get really stressed out about. And the two top ones are finances and gifts. I have to relate to this because I have some phenomenal gift giving people in my world. And then there's also, you know, stretch budgets and it can be really difficult to know what that person wants to show up for them in love and also understand that there might be some disappointment here. That is stressful. There is a lot of anticipation to something like a Christmas morning. And that can be hard to kind of feel that discomfort of, I don't think I got the best gift and I don't think that I showed up or... I'm going into debt, trying to pacify the discomfort of letting my family down. Oh, wow. You like these, these, these We are buy the hard... love. Let's be real though. Mm-hmm. We do it. We try at least. And you know, more than love, I think that we also attempt to buy approval and buy validation and buy reassurance and buy yeah. acceptance. Right? And I'm writing that down. I think that's that's the tricky part is that we don't get to choose how other people respond. That's not in our control. We don't get yeah. to choose what how people feel. That's not a world of our making. We just we just don't get to build the world that way. I would love to personally. I would love if I could choose how every single person in my life responds to me in my well intentions, but I don't get to actually choose the impact, right? And so we have to get okay with the full spectrum of impacts, right? We have to become okay with Sometimes it doesn't go our way. Sometimes it doesn't work out in the end. Sometimes people are upset with us. That's, and they get to be upset with us. And yeah. so what's in our control is what do we do with that knowing? What do we do with that experience? And oftentimes we default to, well, I'm a bad person or whatever other kind of like shame narrative kind of falls yeah. into to place there. And so we have to really pedal back against shame. We have to really like pushback against the narrative of shame that takes place. We're not bad people because we didn't get the great gift. No. And I used to be in a situation where I didn't have the money for the holidays. I barely had enough money to get things for my kids. And it was a lot of like re-gifting or like handmade stuff. I remember one Christmas, the entire holiday, all I did was like, I spent months and months and months knitting scarves and I knew it wasn't going to be the best gift, but it was everything that I had to give of myself financially, physically that I could do. And it, I mean, there is that discomfort of watching people open things that are very lavish or expensive and feeling like, okay, here's a scarf I knitted for you. And, but to be honest, like that was the most that I could give. And it's taken me a really long time to look back on that and be like, I don't know many gifts. Like now being in a financial situation where I could just go into the store and buy the thing, 
it wasn't as good from the heart as how long it took for me to knit that scarf and to give to that person. Even if they never wore it, I love that there is so much time and intention put into that gift as opposed to slapping, you know, money towards something and putting it and I go to the stores where they wrap it for me and like the whole process, right? There's I think we really remove how intimate gifts can be and that they don't have to be a price tag. They can truly be just sort of the thought of. And I think that people get really confused when they have like their love languages gifts cuz mine was for a really long time. And it took me to getting to the awareness that it wasn't about getting something. It was that somebody thought of me and they went through the process of seeing that thing and buying that thing or wrapping that thing and giving it to me. It's like all the steps that are involved. It never had anything to do with the physical thing itself. Because if you ask me what my best gift I've ever been given, I'm like, I don't know, but I would still tell you I love gifts so much. It's the intentionality behind it. And and I say this giving myself reminders because now I feel sometimes like I come into relationships that are really, really good at gifts. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I just want to show up that same way. And I don't want to come into financial burnout because of it. And that's exactly why giving gifts is a love language, right? Mm. It's just one way that we can show our connection and love for other people. And so that's actually, that's, it's funny you brought that up because I was going to bring it up myself because that's actually how... I decide for people in my life, like what kind of gift to get them or kind of, or how to do the holidays um, and Christmas specifically, which is what I celebrate. I always kind of default. And this is such a fucking therapist thing to say. Like, so I'm just very <laughs> like, I'm very clear that this is happening. I do use like the love languages as a, as a determining yeah. factor for how I give gifts and how I receive gifts. So I'm not a gift, gift person. That's not sort of my, my love language. But for the people in my life who love quality time, I'm like, oh, they need an experience. They need something to do t- to do with me, right? They need something that we can do together. So that's just one example of how I default to that, um, that uh, the love languages as a way of relieving some of my guilt and shame from not doing it right. I love the experience gifts because this is something that I want to ask about next because it can be really hard to move past the holidays. I'm somebody who has so much anticipation. Christmas is my favorite time of the year. And then a week later, it's my birthday. And I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. Party this, party, like love it. Extrovert, obviously like eating up the entire experience. And then January 1st comes and I cry every single year. So the reason I like experience things is because it drags it out a little bit longer. Last year, I got to have a baby. So that kind of helped me a little bit with the whole thing. But each year, that is my experience is I ball my eyes out on January 1st. And I'm like, I, I can't believe that I have to wait an entire year to have this experience again. How do we, and I know that that's also um, compacted with like the season and, you know, vitamin D and all that stuff. But how can we actually move through sort of the letdown of what comes next after the holidays. We love the winter until it's like really winter and there's nothing really to look forward to. Is that pretty common? Do a lot of people kind of struggle with like, you know, we have the most stressful time of the year and then it's like, oh, back to work, back to everything, vacation's over. And guess what? You ate so many rich foods. You feel like crap. Diet culture is like all over the place at you. January 1st can be hard. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a whole um, body of research actually that talks about this too, which is um, talking about seasonal affective disorder. Have you heard of this? Have you yeah, heard of my daughter, my, my daughter yeah. was diagnosed with it. She gives me consent to say this, by the way. She was diagnosed maybe five years ago with it. It's real, right? Like it, it yeah, really real. does like mess with our circadian rhythm. It messes with our mood. It really kind of changes our physiology for a lot of people. 
Can you explain exactly what it is just for those who maybe don't know? Yeah. So seasonal affective disorder is a pretty widely known disorder um, that occurs around uh, the change in seasons. So some people actually experience it in the summertime. So it's not just a winter months phenomenon. Whoa, I did not know that. I thought it was just because of a lack of vitamin D. Right. And so um, that, so that, that certainly is part of it. But really, it goes back to sort of the, the changing in our circadian clock and kind of our circadian rhythm, uh, which is sort of the, the, the way that our body kind of naturally regulates itself. Um, and so anytime there's a change in a season, so where we are kind of, you know, up in Canada, obviously, we are a seasonal country. So we have a lot of variation in seasons. And so a lot of people do experience it around the winter times, kind of also known as like the winter blues, that kind of thing. Yeah, there and for so I don't necessarily have it throughout the whole season. I seem to do really well, but there is like that letdown of kind of getting through. Is there ways that we can kind of deal with that? I want to use the word disappointment, but I don't. I just cuz I have nothing else to cling to. That's exactly what it feels like. Is January 1st feels like disappointment to me. Yeah, and I think it's also because there's it's change, right? We're we're mm. dealing with change and not everyone yeah, you know, th- this is a really difficult question to answer, I think, because you're you're mentioning disappointment. And I think that that's a feeling that's attached to that experience of of change and transition. And so that's one of the feelings that kind of participates when we're not ready for change or we're not kind of ready to kind of move forward. Or we're kind of in this state of like bliss and joy and connection and family. And having to kind of come out of that can, of course, be disappointing, right? Um, I would say one of uh, the best strategies that I help people work towards is is acceptance. Unfortunately, we don't get to change the clock. We don't get to change the calendar. We don't get to change what is kind of thrown our way. And so the only option that we have, because we can't change it, is to accept it. So I straddle on that kind of balance often in therapy, which is, can I accept this right now? Or can I change it right now? And so those are two choices that we always have. We can either change it or we can accept it. I love things that are kind of like solutions-based, right? I used to always dwell on like, why is this happening? And like dwelling on like, who's at fault here? And what, instead of being solutions-based. But I think it's sometimes, <laughs> yeah. it's it's different to hear that acceptance is actually a solution. It is actually a way of moving forward. And it's not always bad or like laying down to kind of have these levels of acceptance. And I do think that that comes so many different ways, whether it's like dealing with, I wouldn't say like fully dealing with your body in terms of like body acceptance, but accepting that change is is a part of owning a body. That moving through, you know, having being somebody who is a human being, having change in relationship status is like something that we will likely move through. Loss is almost a guarantee in this life. There is so much that we do have to kind of constantly accept and I guess that is just a surprising answer for me because I almost was like, no, I just want to know, like, how do I how do I pick up the pieces from those feelings instead of ultimately being like, no, I just have to accept that this is what I'm feeling. But how do we do that without kind of like, I'm all about acknowledging feelings as a way to like let them flow through. If we acknowledge our feelings, then they at least have a place to go. However, I don't want to get stuck there. So if in the efforts of like, okay, I'm really sad or I'm really this or I'm really disappointed, I'm really that, in the acceptance, how do we accept it without getting stuck in it? Oh, I love it. My therapy juices are flowing right now. This is so good. Okay, good. So I'm going to share with you one of my personal mantras that I use to accept things. And it is resistance creates persistence. 
So it goes back to exactly what you said, which is that the more resistance that we have mm-hmm. to confronting the reality that we're experiencing, the more yeah. resistance that we have, the more persistent those feelings, especially feelings of discomfort will be. Mm-hmm. And so in order to you know, create more persistence of the feelings that we want to have, we also have to work through the discomfort and work through accepting the feelings that we don't like. And so here's the, here's the challenge. And here's kind of the bit of the misnomer around acceptance. People think that if they're working towards acceptance, that means that they have to like it or approve of what they're experiencing. But that's actually not true at all. Um, so acceptance is, I acknowledge that this is happening right now. Mm. Regardless of what it is. It may be like, I hate this right now. But like, let's also accept that you hate, we hate this. It's not good. Right? So acceptance is... I acknowledge that this is happening right now. What a lot of people may need is radical acceptance. Radical acceptance says, I acknowledge this is happening right now, even though I don't like it. Wow, I have never heard that before. Ooh, yeah, so radical acceptance is probably one of our superpowers that we can have, which means that we don't have to approve of something in order for it to be true. And so I acknowledge that this is happening, even though I wouldn't choose it for myself, even though I don't like it, even though I wouldn't wish it upon other people, but this is happening. And so a mantra that I use in this kind of realm as well is, this is hard and this is what hard feels like. Yeah, and like not trying to constantly escape that feeling all the time. Ooh. I honestly, yeah. when you say that though, it feels it feels like every ending of every relationship where you hit that panic button where you're like, no, this isn't gonna be the situation. I need to change it, I need to fix it. I need to pacify how uncomfortable this is that somebody has chosen this or that this is the situation that we're in. Yeah, radical acceptance. That's That's what it means to be human, right? We, what's that like? I'm not a religious person, but what's that like Bible verse? That's like the courage to accept what I cannot change and change what I cannot yes. accept. Something, something like that. Yes, yes, you know, that's, something it, like that. No, I know what you mean. It's all in the it's all in the spirit of sometimes life throws you curveballs, right? And you don't get to you don't get to change like how hard it's thrown at you, right? You just get to determine like, am I going to catch it? Am I going to drop it? Am I going to hold it? Am I going to put it down? Am I going to pass it off to somebody else because it's too heavy? This is where I feel like I came into this podcast thinking that we were going to have like, here is my question. How do I deal with like this family member who disagrees with me? And how do I do? And ultimately what I've learned is so contrasting from what I was expecting to, which is exactly what I think I needed and probably a lot of other people needed as well. I think that there's just so much that we've talked about that's actually not toxically positive and not just like constantly like solutions based in the means of like massive change and things like that, but more just acknowledgement and acceptance and vulnerability and boundaries. That was a big one too. Do you have any other like final send-offs for us going into the holidays? It's our last episode before, you know, these, the next couple of weeks. So any little tidbits of how we're going to really get through and how we're going to have this be the most wonderful time of the year while also acknowledging that it's a very stressful time of the year. Absolutely. I think, um, actually, I, I'm curious. I, I want to hear what you learned. Maybe I think that that's probably more impactful than anything that I have to say or anything that I have to kind of share. Okay. Because, because I'm I'm always interested in this idea of how are you hearing this conversation? Right. Well, I'll say that like the things that I wrote down the most were the buying gifts or buying acceptance, buying approval, sorry. Like that's a big one. And I think that that's something that I've done in the past. Like what's my intention behind this gift? And is it just that I want approval? And uh, talking about things that are in our control and ultimately 
the choice being change or acceptance in dealing and so, with something or not. And so I guess the, the greatest takeaway I have from all of that learning is that congrats, you're human, right? Yeah. We're human. Yeah. And why does that me, like feel so nice, right? Oh, right. It just, it, for me, it's, it's a weight that gets lifted off of my shoulders. And that's something that I remind myself, like that's in our control too. We can just say, wow, I can zoom out right now. Does this really matter right now? Is this really going to matter on January 2nd? Mm-hmm. Wow. Jake, where can everyone find you? I think you're just like one of my favorite people. And I love following you. I love sharing about you. I tell my friends about you. You know, Brianne is also a massive fan. We talk about you behind your back all the time. <laughs> tell everyone where they can find you and get connected or best places to at least. Well, um, just very quickly, I hope that you know that I that I share that sentiment as well. And I hope you know that I am absolutely obsessed with Bowdoin. Oh my um, gosh, he is like everything. No, yeah. 100%, that kid. Yeah. And, and shout out to the other kids as well. Love them too. Yeah, I know. Um, but Bowdoin was like, he has a he has a personality that is another level. I, I want to be Bowdoin when I grow up. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm, me too. People, people can find me uh, at MSWJake. Uh, on all platforms. That's kind of where I live. That's kind of where I hang out. Are you and on TikTok yet? I'm not on. Well, I have a TikTok account, but I'm not like, I don't do, I don't dance. You know, I don't point. No, but it's not about, you know what I feel like you need to do if I'm going to like interject and monitor your life right now. Okay, do you follow me, what, Rod? Do you know Rod? He's no. like the millennial guy who just like, all he started doing was like talking about his like strange little anxieties and like what it was to be a millennial. And he's like blown up and he was like, I just didn't know what other people had the weird little thoughts I did. And I'm like, you're so good at this kind of stuff. It's like just acknowledging some of the things that it is to be human. And like his are just these little snippets. I don't know. Obsessed. I think you've got value I love, there. I, I love, I love, I love that. Um, So that's where you can kind of follow my stuff. And if you want to follow um my work, we're also at straightuphealth.ca. Thank you so much for this conversation. I'm so excited for people to have this be the last thing that we hear moving into the holidays, that it's not just like, I don't know, that there's so much in radical acceptance, even in the things that we don't like, and that we can really recognize where we have the ability to make changes and where we should be looking to accept. And ultimately, what is gift giving? What is boundary setting? All of the questions I think we need to ask, especially on a year like this, after a pandemic, knowing a lot of like politically charged conversations might occur and how do we participate in the holidays in a way that we come out not better, but well. I'm going to retweet that. I love that. Yes. Thank you so much. And for everyone listening, I'm going to have everything in the show notes and we'll see you in the new year. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the papaya podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.